for listening to the Life Church Boise weekly podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for any other messages or other resources, please visit us at lcboise.com. just about, hey, I'm going to deliver a prepackaged message, but it's about listening. It's about hearing from God. It's about having something that, that has some, you know, some unction on it, if you will, some anointing, some, uh, some inspiration, because uh, I'm thankful for information, and it's valuable, and I want information from heaven, but I like it when it's inspired for the moment. You know, it's inspired for now. So God will get in your business tonight. He'll get in my business and it'll all be good and we'll all benefit. Amen. Amen. Remember the old saying, if you have all word, you dry up. If you have all spirit, you blow up. But if you have the word and the spirit, you grow up. And uh, and so we look for a, a, a good combo of everything that God wants to do here tonight. So let's welcome uh, Brother Greg Fritz to come uh, tonight. Amen. Thank you, thank you. Bless you, man. Wow, it's great to be here on a Wednesday night. Do you just kind of feel like you're in the right place? Woo, if I lived here, I'd be in this church. This would be my home church right here. In fact, my home church is a lot like this, and uh, I feel right at home here. Excellent worship, and I appreciate you on this uh, Wednesday night. Thank you. Bringing the A team and bringing your A game, that was awesome. Wow, wonderful. Um, we had a good time with the Bible school students uh, last night, and, and we'll, we will again tomorrow night. And uh, there's a few of them here. Some of them are home probably. But anyway, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I uh, have been here. It's uh, been a few years, but I've been here a few times uh, and to the state of Idaho a few times. And just am so impressed with the with your pastor and and his wife and I've watched them grow in ministry and ha- have watched them serve God, trust God, and um, plan a work here. And you're you're just blessed to have them as your pastors. You really are. They. Uh, I can tell you they love this church and they are going to take care of you. You've got good pastors and so. Take care of them. And uh, boy, I tell you, I try to be the best church member. I want to be the pastor's greatest supporter in my church. And uh, it'll serve you well if you'll do that. Just uh, be the friend of the pastor, the supporter of the pastor, and and, uh, do what you can to make their life easier so they won't go anywhere else. (laughs) We send ours off on vacations every once in a while. I beg them to go, not because I want to get rid of them. But, but because I know they need a break and they, they need to get out from under the load. And, and uh, so I tell them all the time, go, go, go as much as you want. Go wherever you want. Stay as long as you want just so you come back. And uh, so anyway, I just love them. They're, so, they're just been such solid people for, for so long. And, and I'm not a bit surprised that God has really honored their labors here. And it's a win-win, isn't it? When they're blessed, you're blessed. So we're part of a wonderful kingdom. So I'm going to preach to you tonight. I know it's Wednesday night. I want to make sure that this is worth your while. So why don't you stand one more time? (coughs) Excuse me. And um, we're going to get into the word here. 
How many of you love the Word? <clears throat> and the Spirit. Oh, is that for me? Man, these, yes, people, these guys are on it tonight. Where do I put this? There's no stand up here for the... Huh. Oh, I have a human stand, so... So let me get this straight. If I need a drink, I just go like that and it's, wow, this is better than home, man. This is better than home. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word. Speak to us tonight. Lead us and guide us into your truths and show us things to come. Uh, anoint my lips tonight to speak to your people and give us ears to hear what the Spirit's saying to the church today. We thank you for what's happening in the world, Father, what you're doing and your plans and purposes. And we thank you for allowing us to be a part of them. Help us to get in position to do our part, to be involved in your work on earth is our greatest desire. So we thank you for helping us accomplish that. We give you the praise for it, the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 You can be seated. And uh, if you would, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3, the Gospel of John, chapter 3. We'll start at verse 1, and we're going to look at this um, story of the man named Nicodemus. And um, there's, there's such intensity here uh, and such zeal here. It's, it's really, really... Um, wonderful to see your hunger for the things of God but outside these doors our world is changing how many of you knew that there are things happening that you really can't explain Uh, they're beyond logic they're demon spirits trying to rip our nation apart Uh, it's not a political war there's a spiritual war going on and it's affecting every level of society it's affecting college campuses and high schools it's affecting uh, businesses, it's affecting government, it's affecting every level of society. And if you pay any attention at all, it's easy to get concerned, even even uh, upset, um, because the world is doing things that aren't, don't make sense. And, and if they just listen to us, we could fix a lot of things, you know. I mean, if, if they let me, well, you know what, if they let your pastor go to Washington I guarantee you he could balance the budget because he's been a youth pastor. He understands. I've been a youth pastor. Everybody ought to be a youth pastor for a little while because you learn you can't spend more than you make. And, and we can help straighten that out. There's so many things that are going on here that are out of our control that affect all of us. And rather than get angry about it or get concerned in a negative way, we need to realize our position as men and women of God. We're here to build a kingdom, not a nation, but a kingdom. We're here to win souls, not win votes. We're here to represent Jesus, not a country. I love this country. I'm a patriot. I love America. I love why she was founded. And I believe that America's the greatest nation that's ever been. And one of the most painful things that is happening in our lifetime is that we're having to watch the decline of this nation. That is angering and frightening. But I want you to look at the bigger picture. I want to tell you today that God is neither angry 
nor afraid. God is not intimidated by what's happening before our eyes. God has plans for this nation and God has plans for the world and God has plans for you to be involved in it. And we must not allow ourselves to get caught up in the hype and caught up in the protest and caught up in the riots because we're here to win souls. We're here to preach the truth. We're here to love people and help people. We're here to represent God who loves everyone and wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And this may, this may anger you. This may confuse you. But I'm going to tell you this. There will be Democrats and Republicans in heaven. I know. I know. It's hard to believe, isn't it? There are going to be people in heaven that you would have never guessed would have made it there. (laughs) And in this climate, you know, it's important not to turn church services into political rallies. And that's not what this is. We, we are here to represent God. This is a day and an age of grace. And we have a message of good news. Peace on earth. Goodwill toward all men. And my point tonight is, is simple. And we're going to prove it here starting with the book of John. But the point is this. Jesus loves sinners. Sometimes we get so focused on Jesus loves me, yes, this I know, we forget that Jesus loves others too. He loves people that make you mad. He loves people that don't love you. He loves people that hate you. He loves people that don't understand you. He loves people who want to take away your voice and your influence in the nation. Jesus loves the people on television that are causing all the trouble, whoever you think that is. He loves them. We must remember what this is all about. It's what it is all about is is building a family for God. And whatever happens in nation building and jockeying for position and elections and outcomes, politics. Let me just reassure you. In the end, God's going to get his family. Because nobody's going to stop God from doing what God set out to do in the beginning. When God created that. Remember that? Yeah, well, he did that for a reason. He did that so in the end, he could have a family. And that's what's happening right now. All this other stuff is just noise. God is building a family. Don't ever forget that. It's bigger than the next election. It's bigger than the future of America. It's bigger than than the plans of men. And we're part of that process. We're part of God's plan. We're here to implement His will on the earth and to reach out and save the lost. Set the, 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 the bound to set them free. To open the eyes of the blind. Set at liberty them that are bruised. And to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. I like this church. Man, you guys, you, you are easy to preach to. 
John chapter 3. You're distracting me. I'm trying to get to my point. Isn't that nice? Can I just blame all of my uh, problems? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. John chapter 3 verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night. Now, Nicodemus was an educated man, an important man, a man with a reputation, a man who had a lot of knowledge, a smart man. And he wanted to meet with Jesus. Well, a lot of people did. But I guess he used his connections or whatever. And, and he got the message to Jesus that I want to meet with you, but not in public. Well, that is annoying right there. Jesus is busy, and a lot of people want to meet with him. And Nicodemus wants this, this extra, extra attention. He wants to meet him at night because he's afraid that his friends won't approve of him meeting with Jesus. He's very politically correct. And so he doesn't want to be seen with Jesus. And my initial response to that would be, fine, I'm not going to meet you at night. Just, you know, forget about it. I'm not, I'm not going to do it, you big chicken. going to meet with you. So, but he, but Jesus did. He, he, that's what, that's the first step that Jesus took in his drug. He did meet with them at night in secret. So nobody would know and Nicodemus wouldn't be embarrassed. So when Nicodemus got to Jesus, he was still politically correct. If you notice what he said, it was as if he didn't know what to say. I mean, it is supposed to be an educated man and he's meeting with God. You'd think he'd have something prepared. You think he would make a, a, a sensible statement or, or ask a question. Let me just tell you this. If you ever meet God face to face in the flesh, ask him something. <laughs> ask him anything. Anything would be better than what he did. Ask him, you know, who's going to win the Super Bowl? Ask him something. But Nicodemus didn't want to take sides. He didn't want to go too far. He didn't want to really give Jesus too much credit. So he said something anemic like this. Something that was really on the fence. Something that he could go either way. He says, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher. Come from God. We think you are come from God. Because nobody can do the signs that you do unless God's with him. I mean, we've tried to figure out that maybe you're not, maybe you did this, maybe it's a trick, maybe you're a magician, maybe you're a cult leader, but you know, we just, we think you might be from God, because you do, it's like, at that point, I would have slapped him around and said, just go home, just quit wasting my time, get out of my face, did you know, Nicodemus represents a lot of people in the world today that are irritating, they're annoying, they're politically correct, they don't want to take a stand, they don't want to offend, they don't want to be offended, and they just irritate you. And it's easier just to blow these people off, just stay away from them, avoid them, ignore them, don't give them what they want. But Jesus didn't do any of that. He met with them. He took this anemic statement, and then Jesus did something that I have, it's just blown me away for many years, and, and I've decided to just preach on it, because it's, it's amazing what he did. Jesus 
The next thing he said was, Assuredly I say unto you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And I said, what? Nobody's talking about seeing God here. He just born again. He just, he just made a statement that didn't make any sense. He just said he wasn't sure who you were. He didn't want to say you're the Messiah. He didn't want to take it. He just, he, he just kind of, and Jesus, what Jesus did was that Jesus got right to the point and he answered the question. That Nicodemus should have asked. Because Nicodemus and anybody who's not right with God. Who meets God. The first thing they need to ask is. What do you want from me? Is there anything I can do to make peace with you? Can I get right with Can someone like me even be right with God? And then the answer would be. You must be born again. But he didn't ask that question. They're not asking that question. They're being politically correct and sneaking around in the dark and not taking a stand and trying not to offend and trying, you know, and they're trying to be offended. But they're not asking the question. Do you know how frustrating it is to be a preacher today when you have the answer? But nobody's asking the question. They don't want to ask the question. And one reason they don't is because they don't even know the question. Not only do they not know the answer, they don't know the question. So Jesus put up with this because he loved Nicodemus. And he went the extra mile. He loved his soul. He realized he could be helped. And he answered the question that Nicodemus should have asked. Isn't that a beautiful statement? Did you know that we can do that today? I had a few encounters because this has been a process with me. I, this isn't a sermon. This was, this is a, a, a this kind of a, uh, it was an experience. But I, um, I, I get my hair cut at a stylist in a salon. He used to be a barber in a barber shop when I was a kid, and it was five bucks. But now they call them stylists and salon. They still cut hair, but it's a lot more expensive. And so, um, so I go to this. This, well, I did for years, and, and, the, and the lady was a Bible school graduate, very good Christian woman, and she cut my hair for a long time. She's since moved away, but she cut my hair, and, and um, so I, I would go in there and, and get my hair cut. And if you've never, uh, your pastor knows about it, but, but, but you may not know what it's like to be a preacher in today's world, but um, you don't necessarily want everybody in the salon to know you're a preacher. Because it's just awkward. That's the only way I can describe it. It's awkward. Now, if you're a plumber, it's no big deal. They don't say, well, there goes the plumber. No, they don't say that. They say, there's Joe. He's getting his hair cut. Or they don't say, there goes the real estate agent. He's coming to get his hair cut. No, they don't say that. But if you're a preacher, you don't even have a name. You're the preacher. And so it didn't take but about four visits until everybody in this lawn knew, there's the preacher. Getting his hair cut. 
And usually when you're out in public and somebody finds out you're a preacher, whether you tell them or they discover it somehow, it's just, it gets awkward. How many of you know what I mean? It, it, it's like they either cuss or quote scriptures, one or the other. Some of them will just start cussing to just prove to you that you can't control them, that they have a free mind and they can do what they, and I don't care if they, I don't care. I just, and the others are starting to quote scriptures and they misquote it and they're trying to prove to you that they know the Bible. Oh yeah, I know the Bible. I've been to church before. I'm religious. I'm okay. You're okay. I'm okay. It's just awkward. It's like, I don't want the drama. I just want my haircut. I just want to, you know. And so, but, 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 but it, it, the word gets around. And so anyway, that's how it was. And about eight feet away from her station was another station. And at the other station, there was a, a man who was, he was obviously gay. And, and I don't bring this up to make fun. I'm, I'm making a point here. One of the points that I'm making is this. This gay situation's not going away. This is a divisive issue that Satan wants to use to divide and conquer. And he wants to use it against us. So we need to learn to deal with it. And I, I don't know that we've dealt with it very well up to now. And I think we can do better. So, so, so now you get the picture. The preacher's coming to get his hair cut close to this gay guy. And we didn't talk to each other for many months. Because I think probably the case is I was waiting for him to judge me and he was waiting for me to judge him. That's the best I can figure. So we did this silent treatment, you know. I, and I have to be honest. I mean, I'm not familiar with that, with that whole culture. I don't know how to... I didn't, I didn't know how to respond. I mean, I don't want to... I, I, I don't know how to say anything. I don't want to be, I don't wanna be too, too, too rude... Because it might be misinterpreted as, as judgmental or whatever. And then I don't want to be too nice. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where the line is. So, so there was just nothing. And so over the course of time, my stylist had problems with my hair, which is not uncommon. She needed a second opinion before I could stop her. She calls him over and he comes over and he's there and he's looking at my hair and he starts talking. And I, well, I talked to him, he talked to me and it's like, well, yeah, we're okay. I could tell there was some relief on his part as well. It's like, well, he doesn't hate me. And no, I don't hate him. I don't hate him. I don't hate anybody. I love people. And so the, the silence barrier was broken and, and we, were, we were able to talk and I kept going to get my hair cut for probably two more years and one day I went in and and we we were cordial I didn't get too familiar and I didn't I just it was still it's still like off limits to me and and I went in one one time a several a couple years later and he wasn't there and 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 I said where where is he I didn't even I don't even know his name I said where is he and she says oh you didn't hear. I said, well, no, how would I hear? I don't know him. I don't even know his name. She said, oh, he was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. There's nothing they can do. They gave him six weeks to live. He's in hospice. By the next time I came to get my hair cut, she said, he's, he's done. He, he's gone. He didn't even last four weeks. 
And, and for the first time, it's like I wasn't thinking about a movement that hated us or a movement that is being used for political purposes. There was a face and a life attached. And I could see that, and I still see it to this day. Here's a man with no family. Most of them don't have family. He, he didn't have a partner. He, he was trying to get out of that lifestyle, I found out later. He had no family. I saw him in my mind's eye laying in a bed in a hospice surrounded by strangers that he, he didn't know, dying by himself. And in all probability, going to hell. Say, well, who are you to judge? I'm not his judge, and I don't know. But I'm saying, in all probability, people do go to hell. Hell is real. I know heaven is real, but so is hell. And that's not getting reported. Have you noticed that? It's almost one of those things that's off limits again. But listen, folks, if there isn't a hell, then we don't have to really be that adamant about what we do and what we believe. But if there is a hell, then the gospel needs to be preached and people need to be approached and people need to know. And there is a hell and people go every day. And it breaks my heart that this man was eight feet away from me for two years. And I didn't fill in the blank. And I didn't go the extra mile. And I wasn't nice because it was awkward. Because he didn't ask the question. The truth of the matter is he probably didn't know what the question was. Certainly we could all be powerful soul winners if the whole world fell down on our feet and said, what must I do to be saved? How many of you could take it from there? (laughs) Yeah, well, when's the last time that happened? You see what I mean? Nicodemus certainly didn't do that. But Jesus went ahead and answered the question. Jesus went ahead and said, let me, let me just tell you what you should have asked, Nicodemus. Let me just tell you, 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 you haven't annoyed me. I don't hate you. I don't resent you. I care about you. you you've kind of mistreated me here, but I'm not going to hold that against you. You've got to be born again to see the kingdom of heaven. Do what you want with it. Reject it. Mock it. Laugh at it. But that's the answer. Oh, if we could just love people. The way Jesus loves people. How many of you are with me tonight? The world is annoying. They're getting more and more shrill, crude. They want to fight. We can't fall for that. We need to find new ways to answer the question they should be asking. Have compassion on them. Have mercy on them. See them as individuals. Because inside of those crowds that are rioting and hating and protesting and creating havoc in society. And that's probably going to get worse. Those crowds are made up with individuals. Eternal beings. With a heart and soul. And most of them are scared. They're afraid. They're, they're, They're... Haunted by guilt and shame and fear. And they wouldn't know what to say to God if they met him on the street. That's where we come in. We can help. But we can't do it if we hate them. We can't do it if we resent them. We can't do it if we're afraid of them. We can only do it if we can love them the way Jesus does. And we can do that.
we can do it. And as I meditated this story, I was thinking, how do we reach people? How do we, how do we get through their defenses and their, 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 their thin skin? I mean, you can't say hardly anything without, well, you've, you know, you've offended again. And the answer came to me <laughs> like a lightning bolt from heaven one night. And I was almost embarrassed that I hadn't seen it before. But it's a secret weapon. And it's, there's no defense against it. And it works even in today's world, especially in today's world. And you all know it. You've all seen it. It's simple. It's John 3, 16. It's right there in this story. And I heard it like I'd never heard it before. And I thought, genius. I used to just kind of laugh at John 3.16 because people would have it in the end zones. You've ever seen the 3.16? And, and they, like, what good's that going to do? You know, whatever. And, and they hold up a sign, 3.16. You know, and there's another dork with the 3.16. You know, and, and, you know, I mean, I used to, I, I, I never said that. But you're thinking, well, you know, they need to come to church and hear a real sermon. Or, or, or I'd think, you know, I've been to Bible school. I mean, and, and, and does anybody even, does anybody not know what John 3.16 says? How many of you are with me here? I thought the Baptist wrote John 3.16 because they've used that verse to get more people saved than anybody else in the world. And so, but, but, but I'm not Baptist. I'm charismatic, Pentecostal, whichever one sounds more dangerous. That's what I am. And, and, and so to me, John 3.16, that's, that's, that's Baptist. That's, that's entry level. I, I got a verse for you. How about Acts 2.4? They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak with other tongues. That's what I'm thinking, you know. But that's not really what the world needs right now. You could quote that verse and they go, huh? But John 3.16, there's no way to stop it. There's no way to get offended by it. Because it's this. It's this, for God so loved the world. Think about our world right now and how, how easily offended they are. It, it, has this hit anybody? So, for God so loved the world. Anybody offended yet? God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. For God so loved the world that he gave. Everybody okay still? Anybody opposed to free gifts? Right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth on him should not perish. Anybody opposed to not perishing? Does that fit into everybody's plans? Not perish. But have everlasting life it's pure love it's pure God it's not just a message it's a method it's the way we need to operate John 3:16 needs to be our mode of operation for God so loved the world and so do I that he gave his only begotten son you know what, if God's not, if God loves the world, then I love the world. If God's not mad at the world, I'm not mad at the world. If God wants to save the world, I want to save the world. I represent God. I have a boat. And it uh, took a long time to, to, to be enlightened to get a boat, but I got a boat. and I Took it out on the lake. and 
I've been traveling now for 27 years with people like you, Christians, good people all over the world. And I've really been kind of insulated from people that are outside of the church. And uh, so, but at the lake, they're everywhere. <laughs> they're everywhere, everywhere at the lake. And, and so uh, we, 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 went and we were new, newbies at the lake and we pull up on this beach and, and I didn't know it was a crowded beach because it wasn't crowded when we pulled up, but they all came in later. Boom. And they're all looking at us because they'd never seen us before. And so didn't take long till they, you know, they're peering in and looking around. So, you know, you, hey, you know, sorry if I got your spot. Oh, no, 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 no. Public Beach. I like your boat. Thank you. So what do you do? Are you kidding me? I don't want to talk about that right now. What do I do? It's going to get awkward. I don't want to talk about it. I've already gone over this at the salon. I, 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 I said, I go to the beach like you do. I literally said that I'm here to have fun like you. What I do is not important. All right, all right. So what do you do? I said, I don't... I don't want to talk about it. Well, you got a nice boat. So, well, I mean, I just want to know what you do. What do you do? What do you do? I said, I mean, you wouldn't quit. So I said, well, I'm a preacher. Oh, he's a preacher. Is that, that, that's a preacher. Pre- well, preacher. Well, you, you must be, ties must be pretty good, preacher. You got a pretty good boat there. I didn't know preachers got boats. I went, where does it say in the Bible that pre- Jesus was on boats all the time? Don't give me the, don't, don't preach at me. Don't you preach at me. It just gets awkward. And so he couldn't believe it. And I tried to explain to him what I do. Have you ever tried to explain an itinerant ministry to a sinner? I guarantee you, you haven't. I'm a communicator. I could not tell this guy what I did. He said, so where do you preach? Where, uh, no, where's your church? I said, well, I go to church in Tulsa. But I travel all over the country, all over the world, and I preach in different churches. Oh, oh. but where's your church? Where, what, what church do you preach? I, well, I have a church in Tulsa, but I don't preach there. Sometimes I do. Well, I thought you was a preacher. I, said, I am a preacher. It took us a 30 minutes to convince him that I was really a preacher. But I don't have a church. Well, how can you be a preacher if you don't have a church? I preach in different places. So finally we convinced him, and this is the point. He was totally convinced that I was a preacher. And then it dawned on him. And he looked at me and he said, you don't like people like us. I said, what? People like you? He said, yeah, we're rednecks. <laughs> he literally said that. We're rednecks. We listen to country music. And we drank beer. <laughs> and I said, wow, I have been gone too long. I didn't even try to tell him. I came from southeast Missouri, where Arkansas, Tennessee, Missouri, it's like redneck Bethlehem. 
but I barely convinced him I was a preacher. There's no way that I could, <laughs> there's no way that I could convince him I was a redneck. So I left that alone and I said, look, man, we, we, I don't, you know, and, and this is why I bring this up to you. I don't know what we've done to make the world think that we don't love them. Because nothing could be further from the truth. God loves them. Jesus loves them. And I love them. And all I could say was, look, we love all kinds of people. I said, I've been all over the world. I've been to 25, over 25 countries. I've seen people of all colors, all shapes. And so- we love people. People's what we love. We love all kinds of people. And we even love rednecks. And I said, and I'm not even going to get in an argument with you about your beer. Just forget that. I'm not going to tell you what to do with your life because it's not about that. It's about Jesus. It's about... Hey, well, you're pretty cool. For a preacher. Everybody out there has a theology. They have an idea of what God is. And, and, and most of them think God's mad at them. And most of them think we don't like them. And that's one reason they treat us the way they do. That's one reason they're rude. But we've got to look past that. And we've got to represent the Lord accurately. And we've got to do things to get to the heart of the matter. And get to the soul, the heart of man. And we have to see them as an eternal being. Not a member of a group. uh, Ethnic or political or otherwise. They're people. And Jesus loves people. There's no one that's more pro-people than God is. Nobody. He made people. He made them all different because that's the way he wanted it. And he loves them that way. And so should we. I worked in a gas station right after Bible school. I don't advise that. I went from a holy place to an extremely unholy place. And I had an amazing experience with one of the mechanics. But this goes to show you that people out there, you don't think they have any kind of thought about God or eternity or church whatsoever. But they do. Because there's something in the heart of every man that beats for eternity, that that has that eternal consciousness. There's something there that you can reach if you try. There's an avenue where, where they are open to truth, that they're receptive to truth, that truth alone will reach, that nothing else will. It goes beyond their mind and beyond their their expression and beyond their fierce words. If you can touch their heart, you can reach them for God if you just realize that the scores is so much higher than just do they like me or not like me are they for me or against me how did they vote what political party do they belong to what color are they it's not about that there's something in every man that yearns for peace with God so I'm in this gas station and I worked there before I went to Africa I worked there and worked with all the guys and there was cussing like you never heard in your life I mean, they would just be dirty for no reason. And uh, anyway, I, I, again, you know, there was no hiding it. I'm the preacher. So the mechanic had some time, and he calls me back, and he says, Preacher, come here. I want to talk to you. I said, well, this ought to be good. He says, the way I see it, 
Now, I didn't ask for this. I didn't, you know, this is what happens. He said, the way I see it, there's ten things that you ain't supposed to do. Well, that'd be the Ten Commandments, right? <laughs> That's redneck. It was Memphis, Tennessee. So we're talking redneck for the Ten Commandments, which there's five do's and five don'ts. You realize that? So he completely, that's what I told you. They're going to either cuss or quote scripture and they're going to get both of them wrong. (laughs) But what gets me is even spending time thinking about it to begin with. He said, there's 10 things you ain't supposed to do. But now there's two or three that you can get away with. <laughs> he went, he proceeded to tell me what the two or three were. One of them was cussing. He said, "Now it ain't good to do it, but you can do it." He said, "Then there's that stealing one." Said, now there's honest stealing, and then there's dishonest stealing. Now you can't get away with dishonest stealing. What? What? The point is, they all think something about God. You've got to capitalize on that. You've got, you got to see through the facade. And I've got to take you to this next story in John chapter 4. You're going to love this. Are, are you okay so far? John chapter 4. And I'm going to show you exactly what I just talked about. I'm going to show you how Jesus handled it. We're going to go down to verse 6. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Now, this is interpreted you know, a a translation, and I'm sure he was polite. He asked asked her for a drink. Now, it wasn't uncommon. It's a a public well in in the middle of town, and people came to get their water from this. It was free. Jesus didn't have any way to get water out, and he was thirsty, so he was probably waiting for somebody who had a bucket to come out, and she came out. So he asked her this simple question. Now, notice this. Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him with attitude. Oh, oh. Oh. How is it that you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? For the Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. We don't like your people. Your people don't like our people. What do you mean, give me a drink? Exactly what do you mean by that? I can tell you're a racist just by looking at you. Let's fight. Wasn't it? Now, this is the most important encounter in this woman's life, and she wants to fight. She wants to argue. This is the greatest day of her life, 
And she wants to drag it into the gutter. She wants to have a racial argument right then and there. She wants to be offended and she wants to be justified by it. And she can't wait for Jesus to answer this one. And it's really amazing to me how Jesus dealt with this. And it's a good lesson for us today. Jesus didn't say, well, you know... We really don't like you people. (laughs) And here's why. And he could have given her a long list or whatever. I don't know what the problem was. All I know is this. Racism has been around for ever since there's been more than one person here. Sexism, racism, it's nothing new. And so Jesus, he, he, he didn't... She, she liked it. She, she liked knowing the score. You know, you're a Jew racist. You go get in your box with your people. And I'm a Samaritan racist. I'm going to get in my box. We're going to hate each other from a distance. But don't you dare talk to me. Why would you, why would you even ask me for a drink? And he's like, because I'm thirsty. And I, I don't have a bucket. You, you do? No. Oh, no. You. I can't believe you said that. Did you know that's how society is today? Did you know what Jesus did? And you, you know he didn't do this? He didn't go, oh, 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 I'm not a racist. 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 If you have to say that, maybe you are. Well, I can promise you this. God is not a racist. He made the racist. He is not a racist. Jesus is not a racist. So how does a person who's not a racist deal with somebody who says he is? He totally ignored it. It's like she slapped him in the face, kind of like Nicodemus, and he just totally ignored it. He didn't even answer it. He went to the next phase. He, He began to work on getting her to ask question that's not the right question that's the wrong question you know there's no solving that one did you know the tactic of the enemy today is to get people the church to argue with the world about things that can't be solved can't be settled arguments that can't be won uh, 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 facts that can't be proven problems that'll never be solved until Jesus, he wants to keep everybody stirred up. We've got we've to see through that. Jesus didn't even deal with it. He ignored what she said and, and went right to the... He, here's what he said. He said, wrong, wrong question. If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So he's saying, look, if you ask me, I can give you more than you can give me. And the woman said, sir, you don't have anything to draw with. The well is deep. Uh, where do you get this living water? Are you, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well? What is living water and who are you, Jesus? Hey, I can take it from here. How about you, huh? L- let me in. I might have got hung up on the racial complaint you know that might have been difficult but but now good question am i right good question because he didn't get sidetracked he didn't 
go somewhere that, where you can't return from. He didn't cross that line. He just, he, he, knew, he knew better. And he just stayed with what he did. And, and he's, he's, we're talking about water. Okay, I'll get, well, I can give you more than you can give me. Where do you get this water? Who are you? Man, when you start asking who is Jesus, that's, that's a good question right there. Boy, if we can get people to ask that one, it's not far then. And Jesus answered and said, Whoever drinks this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks the water that I'll give him will never thirst. The water that I'll give him will become a fountain of water springing up in everlasting life. He spent time talking about the gift, the love, the mercy, what, what God wants to do. And the woman said, Sir, give me this water. Give me this water. He got her, didn't he? He won himself a convert. He won a woman that was trying to pick a fight. Isn't that powerful? And all he did was just ignore all of the noise and go for the heart and appeal to the heart and put out some truth and trust that the heart of man recognizes truth when it comes. Because they do. Whether they admit it or not, it works. Sir, give me this water. So it went from tense and awkward to an amazing conversion. And then it gets awkward again. And why would Jesus do this? He had it. it. He could have gotten his drink. He could have blessed this woman. And, 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 and they all lived happily ever after. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. <laughs> Awkward. She goes, um, <clears throat> I'm single. Hoping that it would just go away. He said, Yeah, yeah you're, you're single, all right. Because uh, you've had five husbands, but you don't have them. You divorced five husbands, and, and the man you're living with in sin is not your husband. Ew. Awkward. Why go there? So she did what, what they still do today. It's just a, an uncanny how normal this is. She, she starts talking about this religious argument about two different mountains because the Samaritans said well you know they don't like us in Jerusalem so we worship on this mountain and it's okay and the Jews say nope you gotta worship on this mountain this is the holy mountain so it was a religious uh, quarrel that was well known and all she was trying to do with the racial thing didn't work now she's trying to do the religious thing let's fight about this mountain thing let's talk about you know how do you baptize <laughs> yeah let's talk about that don't want to talk about my home life. Uh, that's not that's not comfortable. It's none of your business. So he didn't really go there. See, here's here's the reason he brought that up, and it's powerful. He offered her living water, and she accepted his offer. And she was about to leave. And he knew human nature. 
And he knew this woman would leave thinking this. If that guy knew what I was really like, he would never give me that water. I better get that water before he finds out who I am. And Jesus didn't want her to think that for one minute. So he exposed it, not to embarrass her, but to let her know, Woman, I know all about you. I know who you really are. And I knew that before we started to talk. And I offered you water, and the offer still stands. We cannot be intimidated by their sins, by their actions, by their ungodliness. God is not intimidated by modern man. He still loves people. He can still reach people. He can still change them completely from the inside out. And everybody's a target. You can't allow the enemy to make you angry at people groups. The Bible says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Nobody's excluded. Not even Muslims. Not even Muslims. I had a really neat experience in a church. They, um, and I, because I didn't realize that I had these feelings, but, um, I was in this church and the pastor had just returned from the Middle East and he had taken a journey, a missionary trip to the Middle East and preached in these nations. And he came back with pictures of Arab Christians. I didn't know they I didn't know that if you watch the news you think they're all Muslims. Arab Christians. And he had pictures of them with their hands in the air. We had pictures of them with tears streaming down their faces. And he said, those Arab Christians, which I thought was a misnomer. I didn't know that was possible. Those Arab Christians were the most uh, humble, hospitable, friendly, loving Christians I think I've ever met. And I said, God, forgive me. For thinking that one billion people are off the map. That they got their billion, we got to go get the rest of them. Nope. Nope. They're part of every creature. And I don't care if they've chosen. And I don't care if they've rechosen, And I don't care if they pray five times a day. They're still targets. And we can still reach them. God still loves them. And so do we. I have another friend who, who's actually a missionary in those areas where the church is illegal. Christianity is illegal. And he holds secret meetings in homes. And it's by invitation only. And they were having one. He told me this himself. They were having one of these secret meetings in a, and the house was locked. And they were studying the Bible. And somebody knocked at the door. So everybody knew what to do. They all scattered and somebody else went to the door and opened it. Can I help you? And said, yes, I, I, I need to come and be part of your meeting. Said, meeting? What meeting? Who told you? Did somebody tell you this meeting? He said, yeah, this, this man told me that, that you were having a meeting in this house and I needed to come here. So who told you that? Well, he said his name was Jesus. Do you know him? They said, yeah, we know him. Come on in. <laughs> and got him saved. Jesus loves 
Muslims. So do I. So do I. You hear testimonies all the time about people in the Middle East having dreams of the crucifixion, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus and being saved. That's Jesus. That's God reaching those poor lost people. We need to see the world through different eyes. We need to love the world. You'll be a lot happier. You'll be less angry and you'll be less scared if you'll love these people that we were called to reach and, 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 and look at them through the eyes of Jesus who died for them, who shed his blood to set them free. Can you do that tonight? And realize that we're part of a greater mission. We're part of the best, the, the, the greatest organization in the world, the best kingdom that's ever been. And our mission is the greatest mission on earth. And our message, let me tell you something about our message. Our message has no competition. Our Jesus has no equals. Our job is, it's unbelievable that we can take this message. It's so good. It's, the good news is so good that, that our, our, the hardest part is getting people to believe it. That it's that good. God loves people. I'm going to tell you one more story and, and then I will close. But I, I, was, I was privileged to go to, to Russia right after the Iron Curtain fell. I was part of Victory Christian Center at the time in Tulsa. And, and they were going over every month holding crusades. And they started a Bible school. And it was a pretty big school by that point. And, uh, and so God spoke to me and told me to go for a month. And the, they found out and they asked me to speak in the school. So I, I got to speak in the school every day. For a month, every morning and every evening, and it was the schoolroom was packed with people who had lived under communism for 75 years. They had been told for 75 years there is no God, and then the Iron Curtain fell, and then truth came in, light came in. They realized we didn't hate them, and 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 Christians and people started flooding that country with the gospel. So Billy Joe, our pastor, went and held 18 crusades. 18 months in a row and thousands of people were saved and so they started the school so I go over there to teach in the school well, I know I'm going to teach I'm going to teach redemption no doubt about it and I'm going to start you know uh, with with the fall of man and I'm going to tell them how God redeemed them and so I'm going through redemption there, there, there is nothing like this I wish every one of you could have had this experience it, it, it was one of the most pure and and moving experiences of my whole life this is like virgin snow on the backside of a mountain somewhere these people had never heard anything they had just found out there's a God Okay? Now I'm going to tell them the gospel. And I start at the fall of man. And I start going through the gospel message. And, and they are sitting on the edge of their seats. They didn't grow up in Sunday school. They didn't have books and, and, and radio programs that told them. The, they didn't know what Christmas was. They had no knowledge of God. They had believed in the government. And the government collapsed before their eyes. And I started telling them about Jesus and what he did. And how God loved them. And I got about neck deep into that. And I thought, this is too good to be true. I can't believe it myself. It is so powerful. God is so good. This message is, uh, there's nothing like this stuff in the, on earth. Nothing. Nothing even comes close to the gospel. And they sat there and wept day after day after day. And it changed my life. I, I would stand there when I finished and they would rush the front and hug me and kiss me. They would bring me little postcards that were 
almost worthless because they had nothing. Little flowers they'd give to me and thank me. And I would leave that place every day overcome with emotion. I said, God, I don't deserve to, to be here. And I don't deserve to know this. I don't deserve to tell it. But that's what we do. Don't ever doubt your message. Oh, yeah, the world will try to make you think it's archaic and it's vulgar and it's old-fashioned and it's out of date and it's not up to modern times. But let me tell you something. Jesus died for the sins of the world. That's how it is. God did something about the evil in this world and his name is Jesus. That's how it's always going to be. There is no other message. There's no other good news. There's no other answer. And there's no other way to God except through Jesus Christ. And we've been commissioned and authorized and anointed and equipped to tell that message. And I tell you, I, I've been writing a book on it. And I, I, uh, I've never been so impressed with the gospel message in all my life. It's exactly what the world needs to hear. Don't ever doubt your message. Don't ever be intimidated by the world. Because listen, I've heard what they have to say. It's worthless. And, And most of it's just stupid. It's not even logical. But the stuff we have is the stuff that changes lives. Aren't you glad? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So why are you preaching on all this tonight? Because I believe that we're on the verge of the greatest harvest of souls that the world has ever seen. And they're going to get saved the same way everybody else did with this message. So we better get good at it. Because they're coming. They're coming. They're coming to you. They're coming to me. They're coming to church. They're they're, they're coming. Just get ready for it and realize what they need more than anything else in the world is to know the gospel, the good news. Stand with me, would you? And I want you to say this with me. It kind of sums up what we're trying to say tonight. And it's John 3.16. So let's just quote it together. And if you don't, if you don't know it, Every, most people will so it'll keep the if you don't know it just and, it, and the next time through you'll get it alright so just, just, just move your mouth and then we'll, we'll say it again are you ready for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life is that Isn't that good news? That's so good. My book is going to be entitled, The Good News is So Good, The Bad News Doesn't Matter. I don't know what the bad news, but it doesn't doesn't outdo the good news. Never will. Never has, never will. Let's, John 3, 16, one more time. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
Wow. Hallelujah. Let's thank him for it. Thank him for it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you for it. Thank you for the good news. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the Lord Jesus who came and did for us what we could never do for ourselves. Thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for filling us with your spirit and filling us with your love. Give us a vision for these souls today, for our world. Give us a vision for them. Let us see them as you see them. Let us love them as you love them. And let us be your hands and your feet and your mouthpiece to reach them. Anoint us and equip us and send us forth into the highways, into the byways, into the cities and villages, into the towns and into the states and into the nations of the world, into the jungles and into the deserts. Send us forth, oh God. Send us to the world. Send us to those way up north. Send us to those that are way down south that have been forgotten and overlooked. That time and modern life has passed them by, but we haven't forgotten them. Send us to those that are trapped in the Middle East, that have no access to truth, that have no way to read the gospel for themselves. Send us to those who have no one to pray for them. Send us to those that are suffering under the burden of sin that are being abused by the devil that have lost the will to live that have given up on life that have given up on good send us to the broken hearted and to the wounded and to the weary send us oh God to the sophisticated and the educated those that think they're too good send us to the modern world, to developed nations, to those that are prisoners to their own education. Send us to those that have given up on the idea of God. Send us with a message in our hearts, with miracles in our hands, with the power of the Spirit upon our lives. Send laborers into the harvest you told us to pray that Lord and we pray it today we pray the Lord of the harvest that he send forth laborers into the harvest we pray for men and women to be trained and anointed raised up filled up sent forth in the power of the spirit we pray for men and women that can't be bought we pray for those that have proven themselves that have failed and and recovered those that have have failed themselves, those that feel like God's given up on them, pull them back into the kingdom and put them back into the army and pull them back into service and let them know you're the God of the second chance. Nobody has to sit on the bench. Nobody's going to be left out. Give them a place in the last day's army and let them know that time is of the essence. The world is dying for them to do their part. Help us to make the most of the time that we have. Let us be jealous for our generation. Let us covet them more than silver and gold. Let us be fully persuaded to give our all, to see the will of God accomplished in our city, in our church, 
in our nation and in our world together we can get the job done we can't do it without you father we can't do it without you holy ghost we need your direction we need your help helper help us help us to not waste time help us to not make wrong decisions to labor under 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 just be to be deceived and to labor under false impressions we don't have time for that help us to get in place run our race to do our part to be on time to get what we need to get to go where we need to go and to do what we are called to do help us Holy Spirit without your help we couldn't do it but with you through him we can do all things thank you for giving us this revelation this this glimpse into our future lest we stay too busy we hope you enjoyed this message find our other messages on iTunes or visit our website at lcboise.com and follow us on social media Life Church Boise thank you and have a blessed day Thank you.